Hi, my name is Katherine Smith, Director of Marketing at Linden Lab, and I have Joe Miller, VP of Platform and Technology Development. For those who don't already know you, Joe, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Linden Lab? Sure, Katherine, thanks. As you point out, I'm, I'm the Vice President of Platform and Technology Development. I joined the company in that capacity uh, almost two years ago. And quite frankly, what I've been doing for the last couple of years is focused inwardly on building a team and uh, extending the team around the various challenges we have on the technology front. Uh, some of that involves some outside partnerships, uh, such as what we did with the voice integration, but, but largely I've been focused uh, internally on, on building, building out our, our teams and, and growing our capabilities in, inside the company. Hmm. From a technical standpoint, what are Linden Lab's priorities this quarter and what can residents expect to see in the coming months? Sure. I, uh, I think it's been said several times in, in different, uh, different ways, but I would really like to make it clear today that our, our focus right now continues to be on the elements of uh, the stability and predictability of the platform broadly for all of our stakeholders. And, and we have many different kinds of customers, as you know. But we, we have lots of work to do to create a, a predictable environment so that when, when you come into a region on a, on a Wednesday afternoon, that it'll behave pretty much the same way as it might be if you came into uh, uh, the same region on, on Friday, regardless of how many avatars might be there with you. So there are a number of projects that we have underway inside the company, many of which have been long-term projects, which are coming to conclusion now which will really help us uh, uh, address the primary issues around perceived uh, variability in, in the performance lag, uh, certainly cutting our, our downtime to, uh, we've, we've done several things already. I think our listeners will know that uh, the, the Wednesday downtimes have been reduced to the bare minimum. We no longer take the grid down when we push new versions of the of the simulator software. We, we do that, we try to do that uh, on a rolling update basis so that we can do it with the least disruption uh, to most of our customers as possible. We no longer require mandatory viewer updates unless there's a very good reason to do so. That was also very disruptive uh, in, uh, to most folks to have to download a new viewer when, when we would update the simulator. So those are some things that we've already rolled out that, that have helped us create a more predictable environment. One that doesn't require uh, thinking about what day of the week it is or, or what the hour might be and, and is the grid going to be there for you to use it in the way you wish. But we're doing a number of other things, uh, a number of other projects that I'll be happy to talk a little more about here today. Great, I'd love to hear some specifics. Sure. I think again, uh, the Havoc project has been uh, bandied about a bit and our primary goal with, with uh, the move to refactor the primary physics engine in the simulator code from the original Havoc engine, which was really a Havoc 1, it was one of the first versions of uh, Havoc that was shipped commercially, to what is now Havoc 4.6, uh, which is the uh, latest version of the code that, uh, that we began working with uh, quite some time ago. The, the purpose in, in updating that engine isn't to introduce any new features at all. Uh, the primary purchase, uh, primary pur purpose in, uh, in investing almost a year of effort now in this project has been to uh, significantly modernize the way the simulator deals with physics. And, and the, the Havoc engine is used for vehicle motion, for 
for friction, uh, for the interaction of objects uh, to themselves, and certainly the way the avatars uh, interact with the world is all uh, controlled and sort of governed by the physics engine. One of the biggest challenges we've had with, with stability is uh, there are many uh, states that uh, our residents could get into, either uh, perhaps by accident or in some cases on purpose, that would uh, cause the physics engine to go into a, uh, a compute-intensive mode that would ultimately lock it up and require the sim to, uh, to crash or to, uh, to take itself down, to terminate. That, in turn, caused uh, not only loss of connectivity for the users who were on that sim, but uh, could, could cause content loss in some cases. It's been a high priority for us to, to remove the possibility that any activity by users with respect to the physics engine can actually cause the sim to crash. So the, the, uh, the good news is after almost a year's worth of effort in refactoring uh, this, this low-level uh, functionality in the, in the simulator, we are now this month at a stage where we are going to bring up 200 regions on the main grid to people who'd like to uh, uh, put this new engine to use, the, the new physics code to use on their, on their regions. There will be a lot more uh, news about that and a lot more information posted on, on the blog. This is something that uh, both Andrew Linden and Sidewinder Linden are hosting uh, in-office, uh, in-world office hours about. There'll be a lot more about that. And then based on what we learn through this uh, uh, rollout process over the course of the, uh, the remainder of this month and early February, we'll begin to uh, uh, install the Havoc 4 code uh, grid-wide. We think this will have a very significant effect, a, a measurable effect, not only in, in reducing the frequency of sim crashes, but because the engine, the, the physics engine itself is uh, frankly uh, uh, much more uh, optimized and, and modern, uh, it'll free up uh, compute cycles on those regions for lots of other things, including execution of scripts and uh, other uh, activities that avatars are, are undertaking on a given region. So. Can you tell me a little bit about Mono? So Mono is another project probably in a similar vein. We, uh, we have been operating uh, with the original scripting engine. Uh, actually, it's the, the second version of the scripting engine. Uh, LSL2 has, has been in use now for, for five years. Quite frankly, one of the challenges with, uh, with, with Second Life as a as a technology platform is because we're driven by user-generated content, the kinds of uh, experiences that people create, uh, the kinds of interactions that people can create with the system are largely governed by the flexibility and the performance characteristics of our scripting engine. People have gotten very good at living within the, the boundaries of uh, of LSL, the Linden scripting language, but we're at a stage now where we uh, we want to provide a much more efficient scripting engine or a much more efficient uh, way of executing scripts. So Mono is a uh, is a refactoring of the interpreter, the interpretive approach to to actually executing scripts, uh, moving to a compiler. So no longer are scripts interpreted in real time, which is inherently uh, not as efficient a, a bytecode interpreter as a uh, as pre-compiling scripts and executing them on the simulator at, at a much higher rate. Uh, the primary advantage uh, of Mono is uh, will not have some of the memory limitations that you have today that require scripts to be 
perhaps split up into multiple scripts and, and diff running in different objects and create some uh, complexity and some load associated simply with a, a simple function that you might be able to create with, with uh, less of a memory constraint. But the, the other value is that uh, it, the scripting engine will run much faster. We think uh, once it's completely deployed and in full use across the grid, it will actually execute uh, 100 to 150 times faster than the existing engine today. And again, the, the, the net effect on our residents will be that uh, uh, not so much uh, new features, but the performance of uh, simulators when scripts are, are being executed, when, when many scripts are being executed, should be much more predictable. You'll be able to walk into a region that has, uh, that's heavily scripted, that has many scripted objects, and not see a performance, a noticeable performance hit as you might today with the existing uh, scripting engine. That's, that's a rather deep and unfortunately maybe a too deep a dive into the bowels of, uh, of Mono, but uh, we can come back up here and, and perhaps talk about something more interesting. Okay, so Havoc and Mono sound like great back-end projects. Do you have any projects in the work to address viewer stability? We do, Catherine. Um, certainly the, uh, the frequency of unplanned interruptions, let's just say crashes of the viewer, uh, is way, way too high. Uh, it has been for, for many quarters and indeed is, is as much a priority for us as the back-end improvements that I just described. But frankly, one of the first challenges we've had are improving the ways that we can see all the primary sources of these crashes. Because as you can imagine, uh, we have uh, a wide range of users running a wide variety of, of uh, computer configurations, many, many different uh, combinations of graphics cards and so on and so forth. Frankly, the crash reporter has not been as helpful to us as, as we would like to really be able to identify the primary source of the major uh, problems there. So we spent the last quarter, um, fourth quarter of 2007, rewriting uh, completely the crash reporter function within the viewer. That has now been shipped as part of the release candidate uh, viewer that is, uh, has been up uh, for some time. And we are now uh, able to see uh, with, with much more clarity the, the actual causes, the root causes of the top 10 sources of our crash problems. And we can deploy our, our viewer experts, our engineers associated with viewer functionality directly where uh, they need to be to significantly address the, the crash rate in the viewer. So, so quite frankly, I don't have enough data to be able to um, tell you that we have uh, made a big difference yet, but we have the infrastructure in place for Q1 to be able to reduce, uh, significantly reduce the, the frequency of crashes. And I, I hope to be able to say at the end of uh, Q1 that we've reduced the crash rates by at least 50% over where we are today. We publish that data quarterly, or, I'm sorry, we publish it monthly. So you'll be able to see how, how well we've done against this goal of, of actually moving that number, uh, cutting that number at least in half. We're doing some other things though on the viewer. We've established a much closer fruitful dialogue with the graphics card manufacturers themselves. We're in uh, much tighter relationships with the, the engineers who are responsible for the, uh, for the drivers from ATI, from NVIDIA. For, we're working very closely with Apple as, uh, 
as they begin to work on improving the level of functionality for uh, 3D graphics applications broadly on their platforms. This is giving us, uh, we believe this will actually finally allow us to identify the source of problems that we couldn't control in the viewer that are inherent in, uh, in graphics drivers. But again, none of that is going to happen without, uh, without the assistance of, uh, of the, the crash reporters I described, but, but also the, uh, the dedicated team of engineers we have focused on, on the viewer stability projects. We have some other things we're doing with the viewer that, that I'll, I'll mention, and, and these won't be surprises to, to listeners of this podcast. The Windlight project is, uh, has been in first look, uh, has actually been in first look now for, for well over a month. It's uh, nearing the point of reaching a stage where we're be going to begin to transition that functionality into uh, the, the mainline viewer. It'll, it'll show up as a release candidate here in the next several weeks. One of the interesting aspects of the, the wind light uh, technology is that the, um, the ability for users to dial the level of, uh, of functionality that they want to try to achieve with their computer has made much uh, easier. There's a simple slider now, a single slider that uh, you can control that trades off performance versus uh, visual quality. And we think that'll go a long way to help people tune the performance of the viewer to their machine in a way that will allow them a much more predictable and stable uh, uh, environment for, for the viewer. And we intend to, uh, to head this direction with additional sort of streamlined uh, user interface elements simply to make it easier for people to uh, set the viewer to a state that is much more appropriate for the equipment and the graphics capabilities they have. But some of that is now visible in the Windlight client. The other thing that we're about ready to uh, release is a project that we internally codename Dazzle. And uh, Dazzle is, is simply a, uh, a project to modernize the look, feel, color, and, and the, the overall uh, visual experience of the viewer that we think is long overdue. And again, has been a project that uh, several of our, our engineers and, and user interface uh, uh, professionals here at Linden Lab have been working on for some time. That'll actually uh, appear in a, in a first look viewer uh, in the next uh, several weeks, probably three weeks from now. That's great. So to close on a personal note, it's 2008 and what aspect of Second Life are you most excited about? <laughs> wow, interesting question, tough one because uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Philip uh, uh, already <laughs> took the education <laughs> angle. And I'm very, very passionate about the educational uses of, of Second Life, both for, for formal learning and informal learning. But I'm, I think I'm, I'm most excited about 2008 really being the year that the, the unique uses of 3D worlds for true collaboration, whether it's learning or building or playing, are self-evident, become more self-evident, that the ability to truly collaborate with either a shared uh, experience that you can't receive in, in a traditional 2D web environment, or for that matter, uh, you know, technical improvements in the, in the platform that allow true application sharing, the ability to bring up uh, a document and uh, work with 10 people around the world on, on reshaping uh, a, a script or a story or a, uh, uh, for that matter, a, a, you know, a simple Word document in a sh truly shared environment is something that this we'll certainly see in, in 2008. 
So I, I, I think for me, the, the excitement for this year is, uh, is really leveraging the unique aspects of the platform in ways that, that are going to be surprising and, and will delight people who choose to, to sample what 3D virtual worlds are all about. Certainly going to be an exciting year for us because uh, I think uh, now the question of the value of virtual worlds has been answered. Now it's really a matter of how rapidly can, can we move this forward to deliver on some of the bigger pieces of the promise. Great. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I look forward to doing this again. Yes. I okay. think everybody else will too. Um, thank you everybody for listening and we'll talk again next month.